church and we're just going through a book of the Bible, right? And it's always beneficial every time we look to God's word. Amen, church? Um, particularly for us, I do think that uh, Galatians has been um, impactful in many ways, um, given uh, things that we've been through. And just trying to keep our eyes focused on the gospel, um, church. And, and what I want us to see is the healthy balance of um, sanctification, uh, that we do believe that believers are to be sanctified. We are to bear fruit. Um, that's where Paul has is, is transitioned here in our last couple of weeks uh, to tell the church that, hey, your salvation is not dependent upon your works, but if you are saved, uh, this is what it looks like to be a believer. You're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. But then in that balance, what you don't want to do is you don't want to put demands on people for their salvation, the very thing that Christ saved us from, the law. So you have to find that balance of like, okay, so um, maybe, maybe this person's a, a newer believer, um, okay, but I do want to see them learn and grow so that God may be glorified through their lives, right? We think of, of Paul's uh, words to uh, the, the Christians in Rome when he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, right? He says that in Romans 12. Um, and it's so important for us to, to hold one another accountable to this word. And that's what we talked about last week. If you weren't here, you can go back and listen to that um, on the website or on the podcast. Um, and it's just so encouraging to, to know that, that we are not saved by our works, but church, we are called to uh, work for his glory. Um, so we're going to wrap up here in chapter 6, verse 11 through 18. This morning, I just want to read this for us um, before we pray and, and go any further. But verse 11 picks up, and Paul says here, he says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves Keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. That's God's word for us this morning, church. Let us pray. Father, we pray your protection upon us as we go out into the world. We pray for wisdom now as we seek your face, as we come to your word. God, I just pray that you would just remind us of this truth, um, God, and that we would, we would be at ease, we would have peace, um, but God, we would be convicted and encouraged always to grow. God, we're never done learning about you, we're never done uh, being perfected until we receive that glorified body on that day. So God, until then, let us seek transformation, actively pursuing you, actively choosing you over other things, um, that may get in the way of our relationship with you, actively pursuing you over anything that this world has to offer, God, that you would come first. And God, it would be because we know that you've saved us. God, that you've given us life, not because of anything that we've done to earn it, 
nor could we ever deserve it. God, would you remind us of that truth and, and just lead us in that? May it be what we think of when we wake up. May it be at the front of our mind when we go and we do good works, that when we do them, we do them in the name of Jesus, our Lord, that you may be glorified. God, and I pray that our sanctification would be a sign of our salvation. God, would you just encourage each and every ear right now that's listening to this to rest in salvation, the salvation of our Lord Jesus. Father, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, as we wrap up here, I've got three things I want to look at. Um, pretty easy here. It's power, praise, and peace. Power, praise, and peace. First point, power. This is something that, that those that had slipped into this church really wanted, right? It was never about um, seeing people sanctified so that our Lord may be glorified, right? And sanctification, again, is this process of being changed. So just think of sanctification as, as changed, but holy change, right? That we are being made or changed into the likeness of Jesus, right? We all bear his image. Uh, we bear the imago Dei, the image of God. Um, but because of sin, we don't bear his, his likeness um, by our nature. Uh, by our nature, Paul says to the church at Ephesus that we are children of wrath. That's opposite of that of, of peace, which we'll get to. Um, so we, we don't bear his likeness. But at the moment of salvation, you've been made a new creation, right? Uh, you are a new creature. You're not, you're not one um, that, that God is, is trying to fix and piece back together. No, he says, I've made you a new creation. Uh, now, we still have the same shell, but we're a new creation altogether. This isn't a duct tape project. This is a, a glorified project that God is, is, is making much of you, right, and, and in this shell so that he can make much of himself. Um, so he's given you his spirit. He's made you a new creation, Okay, so now that we're a new creation, we, we are being sanctified into the likeness of Christ. We're starting to act like him, and we can do that because we've been given the spirit. But what has happened here is, is those who have slipped in have not sought sanctification. They've sought power. They want to hold power over these new believers so that they may make much of their name and not the name of Jesus now, this is so easy to happen for any of us. We're, we're a power-hungry people. Um, even the most introverted, um, quiet person you'll ever meet, there's some kind of power that we're all seeking and craving. It's just kind of in our blood. It's in our uh, sinful DNA, and we've got to fight that off. We shouldn't want to do that. We shouldn't be an arrogant or boastful uh, group of people. And Paul, he literally, he's, he's ending here, and in verse 11, he's starting to transition out, right, his, his, his goodbyes, his last encouragement here uh, to this church. And he shows that he's not one after power. And the, the, the way that we see that is, is verse 11. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Now, my first thought when I read that, um, because I'm just me, right, um, I was like, man, I always, like, type in capital letters. Anybody else do that, like, when they're angry? Come, come on, I know I'm not the only one. We got an honest person, Joe, back there. Amen. All right, no one else? No one else is going to be honest with me? Well, I type in all caps when I'm angry. 
So when I read this, I was like, man, Paul's angry with them. Yes, what I'm talking about. But actually what it is is Paul is showing his love for them because Paul has an eye problem that we've read about, right? And if you can't see, it's probably difficult to do what, church? Right. Yeah, see too, yeah, right. But you can't see what you're writing. Yeah, good job, whoever said that. <laughs> yes, but you can't write. You, like, it, it would be difficult. You could do it, but it wouldn't be very good. Your, your hand would be all over the place. You can do that as an experiment. Maybe the big spontivity. You guys should try painting uh, with your eyes closed. That would be great, and it would still be better than any art that I can make. So see with what large letters I'm writing. We actually see in some of Paul's other letters, the epistles, um, that he didn't actually write them by hand. Uh, there's, there's several instances where at the very end, someone else will sign off and they'll say, by the hand of, and it's Paul telling them what to write, but Paul couldn't write because half the time Paul couldn't see. So that's actually what he's saying is, look with what large letters, because he's writing and he has to write them large so that he can see. So Paul is making this very personal, like, why? Because salvation is worth this, church. It's worth the, the argument. It's worth us going the extra mile. Um, there's, there's many things that we should go the extra mile for, right? But the, the preservation of the gospel message that sinners can be saved by just believing in Jesus, that's worth preserving. That's worth fighting for. That's worth writing a letter when you can barely see yourself. He says, look, with what I write with my own hand, and then he tells them, he says, they are just after power. And he says it. He says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. He says, they're demanding that you would do this. They're forcing you to follow the law, the very thing you've been uh, relieved from by Christ's fulfillment of the law. And they're only doing it so that they themselves would not be persecuted. You see, we, there's a, a big movement, and it was, it was more of like a nationalist movement that was going on with the, uh, the Judaizers as they had this big movement. Um, and what they were doing was going around uh, wreaking havoc on new believers, and they were holding the law over their head, and they were, they were killing or persecuting Christians. And it seems as though that maybe Paul is indicating that the people who had slipped into Galatia were under pressure from those nationalists. And that's, that's kind of what, th what they were called or indicated uh, to be. And Paul is saying their motivation in doing this is so that they don't lose power. Now we see the very same thing in Jesus' life when he wasn't the political leader that they expected him to be. They were then under pressure and they, they did not want to lose their power. The Jews did not want to lose their power with the Roman authorities, so they had to take care of Jesus, right? They didn't want, Jesus was going around saying he was the king. They're like, man, if this gets back, like, we don't like this guy and we're really not going to like him if he takes away the one thing that we love, power. And Jesus was thus persecuted because he was a threat to their power. Church, and guess what? The gospel is a threat to our power. From the, the very uh, gospel presentation we give to people that you cannot save yourselves, that's a threat to the power. When we talk about total depravity of man, that really gets some people going because we don't like the idea that we're incapable of doing something. 
And what, the, what that doctrine, the total depravity of man means and what it is, is that we cannot come to salvation in and of ourselves. Nothing, not an ounce of our flesh and our bones and our soul, it, nothing can we muster up that would, would give us some sort of power to save ourselves. I've, I've, I've shared this quote before, but it's just a great quote to remember what we contribute to our salvation. Jonathan Edwards says, the only thing you contribute to your salvation is the sin that made it necessary. And that's so good to me because it reminds me the only thing that I did was gave Jesus a reason to come. That I'm a sinner. So the gospel message in and of itself threatens the power of man, showing that we are weak and we are powerless. And boy, do sinners hate to hear that. Our, our ears, they probably just, mine, I tell you, I just, I don't like it every time I think of it. That we are incapable but he says here, he continues on, he says, for even those who are circumcised, this is, this is hypocrisy, right? For even those who are circumcised themselves do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh, that they may uh, rejoice in their accomplishments over your life. That, that they, he's telling them, you are just a part of their resume, that they don't really care about what you're going through or how you're being sanctified. Church, when we look at our brothers and sisters, because this is coming out of Paul saying in chapter 6 at the very beginning, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you, sh you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourselves, lest you too be tempted. He's talking about holding one another accountable, calling us out, calling each other out in our sins. When we do that... We don't do it in a way that we're just adding to our accomplishments and look at what I did. But we rejoice when a brother or sister repents, not because of what we've done, but because they've been restored with God. They're no longer at odds. And no, we don't lose our salvation, right? My wife always tells me, she's like, I love you, but I'm not happy with you right now. And I'm like, at least you still love me, right? Like we're, we're in this covenant together. But what's that mean? I don't just say like, oh, all right, she's sticking around. No, I make things right because that's what we do in a relationship. We repent even when we know the other person still loves us. Those were like the dreaded words as a kid, you know, from dad. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm like, ah, man, I just wish you were mad. <laughs> just wish, wish you were a little bit mad right now. That'd be a lot better. Paul writes uh, to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 4. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our apparel, uh, appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please who, church? Man, but to please God who tests our hearts. So the issue here, and Paul's making it clear, is that these people who've slipped in to spy out your freedom, as he says earlier on, he says they are there to deceive and they are there to, to uh, lead you astray and away from the gospel which, which delivers you. 
And ultimately what, what happens when people are leading you astray is they are leading you away from the praise that God deserves. Point number two, praise. Because when, when we let our, our power, when we let people in who seek out power and power alone, then God is not praised. And church, I've been around people who use the word power in church, and it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the, the preacher is not the power of the church, the God of the church. We are his bride. He has the power. He is our leader. Church, I am but an under-shepherd to the shepherd, our Lord. I am to lead as the Lord leads us. And when we follow people, when we let people in who talk about power, 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 then God doesn't get his praise. Now, we've got options here. We can seek our own power, which church will only lead to destruction and damnation, I assure you. Or we can seek out praise, not praise for ourselves, but praise to the Father. And that's what Paul is, is wanting them to get to. He says, these guys, had, had, they wanted nothing to do with you and your sanctification. They just wanted power over you. For they themselves, they don't even follow the law. They don't fulfill it perfectly. In verse 14, he says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Okay. So Paul is, is pointing to, to our boasting being in the cross. Our boasting being in the Lord Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, um, if you don't, if you've got your scripture journals, that's fine. But literally right out of Galatians, you go to Ephesians and you would flip just about a page. Or maybe if you've got a bigger Bible, it's right there um, on the next page. But you see one of, one of the most famous passages, and it's not going to be on the screen, so you can just listen with me. Um, but Paul talks about this to the church in Ephesus. So you go from Galatians to Ephesians and your Bibles. And he says in Ephesians 2.8, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, right? Not your power, right? It, it wasn't you who did this. It wasn't you who deserved it. It wasn't you who earned it, right? Ah, oh, man, my power. I've got no power. I'm weak. We are weak. He says it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So church, as a new creation, we've been created for good works. It's because we've been recreated, we're a new creation, that we can now do these good works. But it is our salvation from God in which we praise him, right? It's because of that. It's because that he has saved us. It's a gift from God that we praise him. Why would we praise God if it was something we earned? Like I didn't buy a house in you know, 2017. I'm like, hey, thank you guys, right? Like you would have been like, hmm? Like I didn't sign off on the mortgage, right? My stepdad co-signed uh, with me. Um, and then I like, I like refinanced and I got some money back. And he's like, half. I'm like, what do you mean half? And he's like, well, I helped you. And I'm like, oh, man, I do owe you a, a thank you, right? And I don't owe anybody else a thank you because I, I bought that, right? Like, that was the fruit of my labor. Like, we had worked hard. And we, were, we had, like, five years of history in the same job, and we could finally get a house, right? When you do something on your own, you, you move up the corporate ladder, good job. With our salvation, 
All we do is look to Christ. We don't look to ourselves. We don't look in a mirror and pat ourselves on the back. We should be led to a place of praise. And Galatians is all about salvation being dependent upon God and not ourselves. And when God is, is the main focal point of our salvation, when we understand it's all him and it's all his doing, and it's just faith in him, that's it, then it leads us to a place of praise. That's why he says, far be it to me, for me to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice he, the contrast there. He's talking about those who came in after he left. So Paul was in Galatia. He was preaching the gospel. People were saved. They were trusting in Christ. They were being transformed. He leaves, and then these guys come in, and they try and steal their freedom in the gospel. So Paul reminds these people who they are. He says, these guys are bad. They want power. They want to add you to their resume. But for me, I've got nothing to boast in except for the cross of Christ. Nothing. I mean, he tells the church in, in Corinth, he says, uh, we have nothing, to, don't boast in anything except for the cross of Christ, right? We have no reason to boast unless we are boasting in Jesus. Because when we boast in Jesus, when we, when we do that, God is glorified. I mean, you sound like a weirdo to the world when you're like, man, Jesus is, is awesome, and if you think I'm good, look at him. They're like, I just, I just told you good job. Like, I think you're, like, you're a really good person. Look at Jesus. I'm good because of Jesus. And the world is like, what are you talking about? That's what we do, church. We point the mirror to Christ because we know that it is not us, it's Christ in us. I remember like any time we'd get done with like a, a game, like when I was a kid, like baseball, basketball, football, whatever, um, I'd always want to tell my dad my accomplishments. Because you know how weird it would be like if my dad picked me up and I'm like, man, Zach hit a home run, Johnny hit a home run, I struck out three times. We won because of them. My dad would be like, okay, right? But like I wanted to be like, dad, did you see I, I hit a home run, right? Did you see what I did? That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to boast of myself. And, and that, hopefully that makes sense because, like, if any of us, you played sports, no one wanted to ever, like, the, the walk of shame. I'd get off the high school bus. My dad couldn't make the trip two hours away. Like, I want to tell him something good. If I just got in the car and sat down, my dad knew. Like, not a good game. Not a good game. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 31. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Power, right? Not many of were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Talk about one that will just like expose you for your wickedness and your weakness and your powerlessness. It's that passage. Paul reminds us like, hey, if you're saved, you're probably a weak one, powerless didn't bring much to the table kind of person. You look at Israel. 
And God tells him, he says, I didn't choose you because you were of many numbers or of, of great strength, but that I might display my power through you. I mean, seriously, what if we told the American army, like, hey, like, you just need a Moses to hold a staff, and he's going to watch you all battle. And if he can keep that staff up, you're going to win that battle, right? And there's going to be some two dudes, because this old guy is going to get tired, and he's going to want to hold it down, and they're going to help him hold it up, and they're going to win the battle because that staff was held up. The military would look at me and probably, like, deport me, right? Just get, get this guy out of here. He's from West Virginia. It's clear, right? Right? Just, he's gone. But that is the power of God. That is what God does. He displays his power in our weakness. Church, if salvation was dependent upon us, then we've emptied the cross of its power. And Paul writes to the church in Corinth not to do that. He says, I didn't come with lofty words, lofty speech, plausible words of wisdom, so that the power, so that the power of the cross would not be emptied. It's very important. Exodus 15 to church. We need to be a people of, of praise and you consider uh, what God's people were going through in Exodus. And we read here, it says, the Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Church, consider the works of God in your life, not just at salvation, but even this past week. Consider um, how maybe we have, we've fallen short this week in church. Don't let that get you down, but let that focus your eyes on Christ and his goodness in your life and his working in your life. God is active. Even when we're not active, God is still working. God is still going. And he's working his will out in your life. And we need to be obedient to it. But God is still good and God is still faithful. He's the God of our salvation, and he deserves the praise. And those who look to him, church, and rest in him find peace. Point number three. There's only one way that we're going to have peace in this world, and it's by resting in the finished work of Christ. That we look at the cross and we say, wow, Jesus bore the penalty, my penalty, on the cross. I believe in him. And you've, you've turned away from your power and you're in a place of praise where you're acknowledging that Jesus did something that you could never do to give you something you could never earn or deserve. And when you realize that, when you're praising him, you find peace. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't have tribulation, right? Jesus literally talks and he says, um, I say all these things uh, so that you might have peace. Um, then he also continues to talk about tribulation. And what he means, church, is that no matter what this world would throw at us, we would have peace. No matter what is going on, that we would find peace in the finished work of Christ, knowing that this church is not our home. That we, we don't worry about death. Yes, there's that little bit of like, man, like, like we, maybe you all read that little boy story from like, heaven is for real. I don't know what to believe about that, but like no one has really come back and they're like, hey, I got pictures, right? Like where you're like, all right, better than I could imagine, right? We know that, we say that, but like trying to get like clear imagery, we don't have it. But in Christ Jesus, church, we do have peace. We know that this isn't our home. We know that we have a forever home, an eternity where we'll spend with our Savior who saved us. And that's good. And Paul's ending, up, ending here and he says, as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them 
and upon the Israel of God. Now they've debated that, that word because usually it's the God of Israel and it's swapped here. And you can do like a whole little study on here. Um, but what a lot of them think in R.C. Sproul, and I would, I would probably take this, the Israel of God um, is uh, God's real people. Um, God's true repentant people. And the reason I believe that they went with this wording is because Paul has been driving home that those who are just, just because you're an ethnic Jew doesn't mean you're actually part of God's covenant people, right? And this is, this is uh, really irritating to those who were uh, being legalistic to them um, because they just felt like, oh, I'm just a part of the family and like I'm just going to get to inherit it all. Um, you know, it'd be like really weird like um, if like, you're a child of a doctor, and you're like, yeah, one day I'm, like, I'm going to inherit you know, the doctorate. Like, no, you got to go to school for that, right? You've got to actually earn that. Like, I didn't tell my dad like, one day, like, yeah, man, I'm going to be a, a kitchen cabinet, cabineteer, right? Like, whatever that is. What is it, Nelson? Someone who makes cabinets. What is it? Cabinet maker. I'm going to be a cabinet maker because my dad's a cabinet maker, right? Like, and you don't just become a pastor because your dad's a pastor, right? Like, there's actually, like, a calling and, like, um, some, some training. It doesn't always have to be, like, formal, but, like, there's something that goes into doing it. And what he says here is, is really profound because what he's saying is, is um, and those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the true people of God. Now read it that way and it kind of makes sense, right? The Israel of God, the true people of God. And Paul's been hitting this home. If you don't truly believe in Jesus, if you're not resting upon the finished work of Christ as your salvation, then you're not really God's people. And he's ending here very sternly but graciously. Now, I would think that like many people who read that, if it didn't bother them, then they were probably part of God's people. If it did bother them, then maybe they needed to think about their heart. Because those who would lay upon your shoulders, church, an obligation to attain your salvation, then I don't know if they know the Lord. Because we, church, we gather on the Lord's Day to praise Jesus for what he did. And what he did was something we could never do. I mean, we could find a way like, to, to start sacrificing one another, and it wouldn't do anything. Our blood is not of any value. But Christ's blood is the atonement. The Lamb of God slain on the cross so that we might have life by believing in him. Man. I mean, no greater peace can anybody find. And he continues to drive home that he wants the, the readers, those in Galatia to hear this. And church, I want you all to hear this too. From now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Paul is literally, the, the wording here, are, it's marks of slaves. And he writes to the, the Christians in Rome that you're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. And Paul literally has marks, right? And we may not have literal marks, and I pray, church, that we never do in our life. Um, and it's kind of contradictory, right? Because I'm always praying, come Lord Jesus, come. We know when he comes. Like There's tribulation. There's, there's a lot of chaos. Um, 
but he literally has marks. Now, you may not have marks physically that we could see, but marks spiritually for sure, that, that you, have, you have been caused trouble. Um, there have been people who have come in your life and probably tried to steal your freedom away from Christ. And I know that those scars are, and maybe they're still wounds and they're not even scars of the past yet. Um, but look to Jesus and consider the, the beating that Jesus took for you and press on. And Paul, he, he hits that. He says, let no one else cause me trouble. They said Paul was just an easy preacher. He just wanted to preach an easy message. And church, it may sound easy. You just have to believe in him. But believing in him means living for him, surrendering to him. Every bit of your life, your parenting, your work life, your friend life, your drinking life, your non-drinking life, your gambling life, every bit of your life, it belongs to God. Now, do we believe that? And if we believe that, then we're going to live it out. Now, don't hear me. Some of you all like, already turned off your ears. That means I can't drink. It means I can't play cards. It means I can't do this. When we live like that, it means that we're not surrendering to Christ. I didn't say you can't do any of those things. But if you've surrendered to Christ, you're going to listen to him and what he wants you to do in every part of your life, whether it be any of those things or anything else, that all of it is surrendered to Christ. And he says, the grace of our Lord Christ be with your spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, church, be with your spirit also. Amen. Ben, go ahead and come back up. I want to read this uh, verse here from 2 Thessalonians 3.16. You'll, you'll notice um, in a lot of benedictions and, and even like Paul's openings uh, in his epistles, he's always um, expounding on the grace of God. He's trying to remind the readers of the grace. Why? Because, church, it is God's grace that sets you free. Like, don't lose sight of that. Grace is, is receiving something you didn't earn. Mercy is God withholding something you did deserve, right? Grace is receiving. Mercy is withholding, right? Like, God's giving is gracious. His mercy is withholding. It says, now may the Lord of what? Peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way, the Lord be with you all. Church, as you all go out this week, you're going to uh, maybe face uh, people who uh, want to spy out your freedom, steal your freedom, and tell you you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough. Church, all you have to do is look at them and say, I know I'm not, but Christ has made me a prized possession, and he's made me a new creation. And because of that, I praise him. Church, we didn't deserve it. Like, don't let that bother you. Let that be, like, laughable to you. Like, <laughs> I know I'm not, right? Like, my wife could tell me that. I know I'm not. Like, I'm married up. I know, right? We're the Meadows family. I told my dad we broke the curse, baby. Like, we're moving on. We're moving up. We didn't deserve this salvation. We didn't deserve this new life. But praise be to God that he met us where we were, and he changed our eternity forever. And now we're living it out. Now we're living it out. Church, we have to live it out. Christ didn't die for no reason. It wasn't just to buy you, it was to change you so that he may be glorified through you. Praise be to God. Church, have peace in that. Don't let people get you down. Don't let them turn you away. Only let that motivate you to press on so that God may be glorified at all times. You all have an option this week, even as believers. Like, you have an option. Are you going to try and attain the power? Are you going to try to be the power in your own life? Or are you going to submit and surrender to God and praise him through, your, through word and deed? 
and then be at peace with the situation. And if you're here today and you've yet to surrender your life to Christ, all you're wanting is power. But God wants the praise. And the only way that's going to happen is to repent and believe. And it's that simple. And then you'll live at peace. And that life you will now live in Christ Jesus will be for Jesus and him through you working out his will according to his purpose for your good and for his glory. Church, let's stand and sing this last song. If you need prayer, I'll, I'll be here. I'm more than willing to pray with you. I'll hang out in the, the front row and uh, we can pray, whatever it might be. Um, but church, praise be to God for, for his salvation and for what he's done for us. And let us just live that out according to his word.